Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, 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 Shona. Yo, yo. Are we back in studio or are we going to say we're at the Call to Council Conference 2020? Well, I think we should say where we're at. All right. So we're at the... We're at Doxology Bible Church in Fort Worth. We are holding where we've got a small audience and then we obviously have the online presence of those who signed up for the conference. So yeah. uh, we've done a couple since we've been here. And uh, in this particular episode, we wanted to take some time to focus on the anxiety track. And we've got a couple of guests with us. We have Beth Broom and Lee Lewis. Beth, you want to tell Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. My name is Beth Broom, and I live in the great city of Denton, Texas. I've been there for many, many years, and I'm on staff and the ministerial staff as the care minister at the Village Church Denton, and have been there for 10 years. And I also own private practice uh, in the Denton area and focus on trauma counseling and marriage therapy. And I have a wonderful husband, Kenny of 22 years and three children. Our daughter, years. Yeah. Our daughter is 19. She goes to UNT and uh, we have a son who is a junior in high school and a son who is in fourth grade. So we are not bored. Yeah. Not bored at all. <laughs> 22 years. We're going to make it right, babe. <laughs> yeah. It's like older than our kids. Yeah. Do that marriage therapy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, nah, that's good. And then we have Lee Lewis. Lee, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, brother? Yeah, good to be with you all again. Um, yeah, Lee Lewis, we live in Round Rock, churches in Austin. So I pastor at a little church there called Radiant, Radiant Church. And But then I also have this opportunity to work with uh, Dr. Garrett Higby in a ministry called Soul Care Consulting. And so I work with a number of churches in a coaching, consulting type role to help, really help come alongside them and, and build a culture of gospel care and heart-focused, you know, gospel-centered care. Uh, what, what biblical counseling has always done so well, trying yeah. to bring that into the life, the culture of the church. And so I love doing that. We've got a wife, um, Andrea, um, and then four kiddos, 13 and all the way down to seven. So we're busy in a different way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, busy, but yeah. good. Um, life's good. Family's good. And, and, and ministry's hard these days, but but it's good. So yeah, the Lord's well, with us. So That's awesome, Lee. Um, we're glad to have you on the podcast again. You know, really, we've, we had you uh, last year at the last year's conference last, last April, and you spoke on depression. And that was one of our leading podcasts, yeah. most listened to. And then having you back to talk about soul care past, you know, soul care consulting was really awesome just to hear about what the Lord's doing in you through that ministry. And now you hear, here being the, you know, key speaker at the <laughs> ABC conference, which is really awesome. Yeah, so full day yesterday. And, and you know, when you're yeah. like, when you're side by side with Elise Fitzpatrick and, and John Henderson, it's like, Hmm, I think they just kind of fit me in here because they needed a filler, but no, that's not uh, true. No, it was well, a man, You kicked it off. Well, you, you kicked did. It off well. Yeah. It was really well. awesome teaching us about how to counsel through the Psalms. And, and now you and Beth are up talking about anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Focus on anxiety. Which yeah. Which great. with that, we just wanted to take a little bit of time to maybe share, um, maybe just some highlights or summarize a little bit of kind of what you're going to be talking about as far as the track is concerned as it relates to anxiety and maybe kind of nuance it to the actual message that you guys were going to give or have already given. Yeah. 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 So Beth, you want to kick us off? Ladies first. Sure. I, uh, so as a, as a trauma trained counselor, um, that is really a perspective that I come from. And I, uh, actually personally struggled with anxiety for many, many, many years and, uh, really felt stuck, uh, 
And so just personally for me, even in my own journey, have done a lot of reading and a lot of searching and a lot of searching the scriptures, a lot of memorization of the Philippians four passages and the Matthew and all of it. It's just wanting to learn and understand what does it mean uh, to move towards the Lord in the midst of feeling what I'm feeling. And honestly, I have been so grateful and excited to watch the Lord do incredible things in my own heart and then to be able to turn and minister to others. It's been incredible. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to be talking about today at the conference is um, trauma-induced anxiety. And Mm -hmm. so where we sort of see a spectrum of people who are struggling with anxiety what what is the origin of that? So we talk a lot about that in biblical counseling, right? Like what's in the heart? Where are there areas of idolatry potentially? Where are the areas of of just a lack of trust in the Lord? And um, and all of that is so good and true. What I've learned in my in my own practice and also in my work as a minister at a church is just that there there's so much stuckness. There's sort of this place that people get to sometimes where they're so stuck and they're they're wanting to do all the right things and they still feel stuck. And uh, so I just began to study trauma, and I also have a history of trauma in my background. And so studying that, thinking about it, asking the Lord, where in scripture can I dig and learn and grow? Thinking about a heart that has been wounded. So not just um, as, as biblical counselors, we are called not just to talk about sin, and but also the effects of sin. And so when there's an effect of sin on our lives and an area that needs great healing, often people who've been traumatized are actually playing out scenarios of anxiety. So when they come to you, often they're They think... I have anxiety. That's how they present. And yet when you sit with them and when you really hear their story and see them, sometimes what you'll get to is, oh, there's a history. There's something there that happened to you that's never healed, that the Lord has never put his touch on. And so when you have that, it just causes us as counselors to think about a different form, a different format to get where we're going in counseling. And so often it just means a slowing down. It's kind of like grief counseling where you're giving somebody opportunity to really process and to go to the Lord with those complaints, just as David did, right? Like pouring out our complaint before the Lord and giving opportunity to do that. And then obviously we're moving into how are, what is, how has this shaped you and how are you maybe acting out in a way that is not conducive to the gospel, but we're giving a lot of space for people who've been traumatized. And so I think it's really important as we think about it from a biblical perspective, because we just have had this framework, right? For a long time of how do we treat anxiety? And um, so my call and my what I feel really called to is just to to help our lay counselors at our church and those that I supervise and here at the biblical counseling uh, conference to just think more about that slowing down, that process of slowing down and being willing to sit with people in their pain. And so, um, so my talks are centered around that. I have two, some of it's a little bit technical and then there's just kind of, you know, how did, how did Jesus sit with people and how should we sit with people who are struggling with, with the effects of trauma? That's awesome. Mm, It's really good. So in that, you know, being at the, at the church level and maybe some of the training, um, but even outside at the congregational level, have you seen a good response uh, from people within the congregation? Because obviously the, the heart of what we're trying to do is bring this, you know, this level of care to the body to yeah. go beyond Sunday service where, yes, Jesus saves you, but the gospel is actually strong enough to sustain you and keep you through even this trauma. But there's there's ways in which that we can accomplish that. Yeah, absolutely. And so if we're thinking about Ephesians 4 and how important it is that we equip the saints, so every member of the body of Christ is part of the priesthood of all believers. And so as we seek to train and teach. And it, it really is, it's been awesome to think about the new 
nuance of how this is, this should have fingers into every area of ministry. And I'm really fortunate. I know this is not true everywhere, but my pastor already thinks about things like that. And he cares about that. And he loves biblical counseling. And so it's not hard. I know it is hard for other churches sometimes, but it's not hard for me to say, hey, you know, what does our membership process look like? How do we, how can we try to have conversation in that process about how to care for one another when we're struggling? How do we, you know, what does our baptism process look like? What if somebody shares a testimony that's hard for someone else to hear and they get triggered? There, there's just all kinds of things mm, that we can do in the that's, church. That's good input. Um, Pastors, are you listening? That's really good. <laughs> there's just so much. Yes. And because trauma is so Love prevalent that. and now in our society, people are waking up and starting to see how big of a deal it is. We must be the kind of churches that receive people who've been traumatized. Like the gospel is strong enough for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But I feel like there's just such intentionality in her thinking and even just the, all the different processes in the church of realizing how important it is that from that counseling or, or really discipling him in those particular areas are so important mm-hmm. um, and being considerate of other people as things, certain things are being shared. I mean, obviously, I think in women's ministry, you know, that you can easily think through that, like as women are talking and sharing stories. One of the things even from women's ministry is, is, you know, a lot of women have entered into the equipped to counsel class just because they're saying, man, things are shared at the Bible study mm-hmm. table at the table. And I don't even know what to do with it. Right. Like, I want to do something well. I want to care well for my sister, but I just don't know how to do that. And you've taken it the step further. And even just as they enter into the church, which is so good. No, yeah, I-, I feel like something's so amazing. And it was said, I think Tim Watson said it earlier at the conference, but man, if you, if you look at the research out there about which counseling theories work the best, they can't figure it out, man. All they can say is the one thing that is absolutely true that is the relationship yep. is whatever they want to call it, the therapeutic alliance, you know, this, mm-hmm. and I'm going, that's the gospel, right? Like, that's what it looks like for us to be with one another in relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's why we, I mean, the Trinity, think about the relationship of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So just mirroring that in the body of Christ is so essential. And I'm just really privileged. I get to, I get to do that every day. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Well, the reason why I ask you is because so it's really good because I think what often happens is, you know, Christians compartmentalized life, right? Like there's the things about life that we don't really talk about at church and, but we have all the right answers and we kind of live this duplicitous kind of compartmentalized spiritual life. And the fact that you're, you know, talking about the things that you are and saying, no, like the gospel is even strong enough for that as well. Like the the gospel can approach that and does approach that not only, you know, and like an event or anything like that, but it's a, it's a daily process mm-hmm. as part of building that into the sanctification, like trusting the process of sanctification. So that's why I was kind of curious as really good. That's really good. So Bess over there saying, oh, I get to do this. I'm so excited. And I remember the panel, Lee, yesterday, you were talking about nodding off. (laughs) (laughs) It was you, John. I I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There are those days for sure. (laughs) Well, just like anything, right? It comes and it goes. I'm excited. And then as the session goes, I start to fall out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And Elise is talking about, you know, and sometimes I'm driving there and can we just say it out loud? Sometimes I don't want to go, you know, like, yes. That's just real talk though. I appreciate it. It's just like because you almost feel guilty to think that, but then you push through because we have faith in what the Lord's going to do. It's like right? it doesn't minimize your professionalism right. to make a true statement, right? Because like we all struggle with no, that. Right. Just because we're in <laughs> ministry doesn't mean we're not human. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I love that, that so passion, Beth. Thank yeah. you. So. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Lee. What, what are we? What are we? Uh, what are we talking about over here? Um, so, on the, as far as anxiety track, I did. I I got to go after Elise. She did overcoming anxiety. And then I, I went kind of um, really like the next step, I think 
that would have been natural after what what she kind of opened us up to and and you know I talked about you know identifying gospel gaps in the anxious heart you yeah. know and uh, one thing I wish I had clarified a little bit more and I didn't I just didn't have time to do it you do um, now brother yeah um, <laughs> is is really I think the opportunity um, around anxiety um, and and so let me let me kind of like you know dig down on that a little bit I I do believe when it gets into the worry slash anxiety side of things I, I think there's there's for sure some sin in the heart you know of the person mm. um, but but I, I think like when you look at it on a continuum like concern and trouble like is all over scripture mm-hmm. and is all around us in a fallen world and and concern and trouble I don't think that's sinful in and of itself it's usually the byproduct of something sinful um, but then we have to interact with it and this yeah. is I, I briefly referenced first Peter 5 I mean I've got a whole another teaching on anxiety just from that mm-hmm. sermon that uh, a sermon I heard from John Piper really influenced um, but but just what what does my heart do when a concern comes my way when when trouble begins to flood in um, and and depending on what I do with that like I, I really believe like leads a leads a heart either towards trust or towards anxiety it's 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 one of the two um, and in the trust it depending on where they're putting their trust really matters because at some point if that's not Christ that will let them down which leaves them to full on at the mercy of anxiety um, and a person who's become conditioned like meaning they go from zero to a hundred like they move right past the concern and the care right to anxiety, you don't wake up like that. Like you, you've you conditioned yourself to and towards that over time. And I, I'm actually fascinated to hear what Beth's going to say because drama can do that. Something horrific happens at sudden and, and then your heart is is provoked by that usually sin committed against you um, and it makes so much sense to want to self-protect. And so what I tried to set up for, for, for yesterday was really like what are some like patterns of the heart um, that... That Jesus speaks to, that the Lord speaks to, that my heart's going to resist, and and the resisting of that says a couple things. Uh, it, it it puts God on trial. It always challenges his character. The anxious heart is declaring something about God's character. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that with their mouth, especially good church kids. Didn't Martha express that though? Mm-hmm. Lord, if you'd been here. Yeah, <laughs> like not yeah. only to that point, but like now she's questioning his care and concern for her. Yeah. Because like, don't mm-hmm. you care? Yeah. Well, and even Adam, the woman you gave me, I'm like, hey, bro, you need to calm down. <laughs> you know, so like it, it is, it's sometimes yeah. it is vocalized, but yeah. the heart is saying something about the character of God, knowingly or unknowingly. And, and so the, but, but again, like, here's the opportunity. Like, a big part of counseling is, like, I think joining with them, connecting with them, hearing their story, being gracious and humble. I love how Pallison always talks about anxiety, and I referenced this yesterday, that he surprised there's not more anxiety disorders, <laughs> which should give us a yeah. lot of grace for the yeah. anxious heart. Um, and to be able to really come alongside them um, slowly but surely and prayerfully try to identify some of those gospel gaps and bring them into the goodness of Christ um, to where it's not straight to anxiety. They're actually seeing the the concern before it turns into anxiety, bringing the gospel into the care and concern arena, yeah. and it doesn't even get to worry or anxiety. That's where you see healing yeah. progressively happen. Because I and, and I don't I don't even think the gospel promises that we'll never have concern. Um, but I do think the gospel promises we can never have anxieties. I really believe that 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 we can get to a place where we're so trusting in Christ. Anxiety is not even on the menu because we early and often bring those concerns and troubles to the Lord. 
and it never fulls, turns into full-on anxiety. I read something in 2 Corinthians um, last week. Paul Paul's headed to uh, see, I think it's Titus, um, and Titus was a no-show. And, and it says, like, I just noticed something about Paul's humanity that was really interesting. I can't prove, I can't judge his motives. I can't prove whether it was sinful or not. But there was this, it talks about this great angst that he felt. I mean, intense angst to the point where he changed his plans and went to Macedonia. But because he took that angst right to the glory of Christ, his heart settled. And then we get this great passage, the aroma of Christ shortly after that, meaning he wasn't at the mercy of his circumstances or his feelings. He took that right to the glories of Christ. So it didn't turn into something sinful. Mm. Does that make sense? No, so much so to the point that I would even argue that that has a lot to do with the fruit of the spirit as it relates to self-control. Because oftentimes we we reduce self-control to this kind of, you know, lust, you know, self-control mechanism when really self-control, you know, kind of even is played into be angry and do not sin, right? So there's this level of self-control that I think that you, it, you're you hitting on that it's it's in every area of man's just reality, mm-hmm. right? This level of self-control. Yeah. So One of the things that though that, you know, on kind of the flip side of that is where we're seeing the words anxiety or I'm depressed, I'm anxious, be very casual, right. casual conversation of, you know, I'm just, um, I'm stressed out. So now I have anxiety, right? Or I'm exhausted and now I'm depressed. How do we address that? How do we kind of come alongside our brothers and sisters in a way that tries to take that terminology back to kind of trivialize it a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not so candid in a way that we can speak into it productively. I don't know. Do you have any feedback to that? Well, I do think what's interesting is that um, this term even anxious. It's it's in the Bible, but it's an English translation of a word. Like, And so even in our culture, I think sometimes the word anxiety is used in different ways. And so like even, you know, Tim Watson said this morning, well, Jesus was anxious in Gethsemane. If, if the definition of anxiety is this, you know, that there's this great angst that leads to potential for like, uh, it's uh, not despair, but just, I'm, I'm just downtrodden and I'm, 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 I know something bad, dread, something bad is coming. Um, and and that that feeling could be called anxiety. But then on the other side of it, often you hear people, especially in the biblical counseling world, talking about anxiety being this issue of control. And like, I'm on the throne of my heart. Or I'm not allowing the Lord to be in charge. I have to be the one to move, you know. And so mm-hmm. then it's more sin slanted. So that I think that's hard. Like, that's something I've just been thinking about that we we really, we don't all have one single definition for what that is. I do think the trivialization of it culturally, um, I don't know if there's anything we can do about that. That's a train that has left the station, in my opinion. So I think all <laughs> is we that can- that joker coming I, back or what? I feel like, I I feel like all we can do at this point yeah. is to try to educate along the way, you know, yeah. especially in church settings. We've got, you know, if how how is your pastor talking about it? Because mm-hmm. he's the one primarily speaking to the congregation. How is your women's Bible study leader talking mm-hmm. about it? What are, how do we move forward in trying to create um, an understanding of what do we mean when we say this? Um, because someone who had a diagnosed anxiety disorder, I don't like it when so, it feels mm-hmm. very frustrating when someone you know would say, "Oh, I've got anxiety." I'm like, mm-hmm. well, really? Like, what does that? What do you even mean when you say that? So. Mm-hmm. I think that even just asking the question when people say that to say, you know, out of concern for them, uh, what does that mean to you? What does yeah. it mean that you're depressed? Help, help me understand that a little bit better. That's yeah. good. Like clarify it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. No, I think, I, I think I, I really agree with, with Beth and the ability to enter into that, that conversation with them. Like you can actually then teach them, mm-hmm. you know, you have an opportunity to teach them based off how they see it, you know, and um, words don't mean a lot if we don't really go after what what they mean by what they're saying. Um, and, and our culture is such a, 
you know, a culture that, that wants to say the big thing, the loud thing, because it gets the most reaction. And so those, those like something that's depressive or that's anxious, it's, you know, there's nothing beyond that, at least, you know, from, from the way m- the medical model would describe it. Um, and so that, that's, that's the most aggressive way you can say I'm struggling. So I, I don't like to get in the weeds of it though. Um, I, I want to get more into the struggle of it. Tell me about the struggle mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if they, if they, if it's a heavily psychologized counsel, counselee, I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but somebody who's been heavily influenced by psychology and, and, and maybe because they've seen lots of different therapists, there could be the need to, at some point, really educate yeah. them from a biblical worldview, how to better think about whatever it is whether it's anxiety or depression or something else. Um, and, and that's where I think the biblical counseling community has gotten so efficient the last 10 years because there's so many good resources now on any and all things that psychology would diagnose. Yeah, You know, uh, you'd be hard pressed to find any issue that you would find in any therapist offer that the biblical counseling world isn't actively speaking to mm. with good biblical truth. And so I think that's where you could take somebody who's heavily psychologized and help them see that. But I, I don't like to get into the definitions too much. That's just me personally. I want to better understand the, the struggle. Yeah. It just, you know, this is what you call it. Okay, let's not debate that. That's mm-hmm. fine. But mm-hmm. tell me about what that looks like. So would you say that life. the definite experience informs the definition then? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. how, yeah, how, how are they yeah. defining it through their circumstances? Yeah. yeah. Didn't you quote yesterday, first Peter five, six and seven? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just kind of looking at that because you'd mentioned the word and I'm just looking at the, the difference in the root words of anxieties and then Are you using caring. Logos right now? I am using oh, Logos. Oh, hey, that was yeah. good. Yeah. That's a good little plug good, there, Good little Shana. plug yeah. there yeah. as yeah, our premium like sponsor. But we missed that. That yeah. train left. That train left That's about 20 true. minutes ago, didn't it? Well, um, listen, I think, Beth, I think you're like this um, hidden gem out there for years. You know, all these churches, you've been kind of like on the download, connecting to all the churches, just sharing resources, you know, creating things and, and, um, and I and I love that connection because we met you years back when ABC was actually at Irving Bible Church. And one of the things I remember from that breakout that you were there that I took away that I actually think maybe, Michael, you can speak into this too, is you at the time, and I don't know if you still do this, but this is just a memory of of, our, of the conversation at that time. You were saying that you would go into the room, I believe with your elders, maybe the deacons, and you would read some of like the journal biblical counseling mm-hmm. articles and just do one or two, I guess, at a time and then just have an open discussion with them. So it wasn't more like defining things, but more so just doing little bits of things to kind of educate the leadership in the church. Can you speak a little bit to that? And do you still do that? Or is that just something kind of? Yeah, we do. Well, and it's, it's off and on now we, we do, we do various studies with books and other things as well, but yeah. Um, so we actually partnered with CCEF and created kind of a bundle mm-hmm. of articles. And I did that based on what our elders and deacons said, Hey, we need some resourcing about these particular topics related to mental health and biblical counseling. And so we had everything from, I think Alistair Groves did a, a an article about hospital visitation, which mm-hmm. I think is ridiculously relevant for deacons oh, yeah. and elders of churches, right? Because yeah. most of them don't even do it. Most churches, the deacons don't even go to the hospital. So, really yeah. Like, yeah. And so, and, and everything from that to, you know, mental health, there was a, an article on schizophrenia because we had someone in our church who, that was a diagnosis. And so what the, the thing that was most helpful, honestly, we had everybody read the article before we came in, but then we just come in and um, case study. So that, I find that that sort of let's put a face to this. That is a really helpful thing. So mm-hmm. if there are people in our congregation or even just people that you can sort of think about and conceptualize, this is a 
real person in front of you. This is not a this is not a, an illness or a, a label that you slap on someone. This is a real person. And what do we what would we do? What will we do when this person walks through our doors? Because it will happen. We yeah. hope we mm-hmm. hope we're a place that's safe for people who are struggling in these ways. And so that's been hugely helpful. So we've and we've read um, Deepak and Jeremy Pierre's book, The Pastor and Counseling mm-hmm. together. We've done some other things like that to just continue to educate ourselves. There's so much, like Lee said, so much new good information that's um, that's hitting us that why would we not want to take advantage mm-hmm. of that? And so um, we're trying to, again, get our get the fingers of that through every ministry of our church. And really, I mean, my opinion is the best way to do that is to start at the top. So our mm-hmm. eldership is actively learning these things. And, and right now we're we, in the past year because of all the stuff with the SBC, have been learning a lot about abuse and mm-hmm. providing a lot of articles and um, having some roundtable discussions with the elders about that. So it's yeah. been really helpful. Well, Could you please repeat what you said? I lo- well, I love that idea because I was I was thinking about. Um, Sorry, Siri. What? Siri's not at the table. Okay. Siri had a question that she needed to clarify. I was thinking you're just gonna. Edit, I was thinking you're gonna edit That's that awesome. out. No, no, that that was. I'm not comical. gonna repeat what I said, yeah. Siri. Sorry. Um, yeah. Well, what I, what I was thinking is, you know, because Michael and I, we were trying to brainstorm of of ways that you know, is this a truth or new thing, or is this something we do at the church where we would just love to gather together, even if it's once a month, and just dig into a particular topic to say all the leaders that are in our network. How can we educate and influence them, but not just us teach it, but more so like have this healthy discussion Mm -hmm. for us to all critically think together and just really, um, you know, kind of walk through those scenarios. Discipling. Yeah. That's real. I mean, that's discipling at the counseling level, right? But, you're being intentional and you're bringing something to the yeah. table and you're. And, but initially we had thought, well, who's actually going to show up to that? We don't really know. And I just remember years ago, that's what you had said you started and even thought about that from, you know, when you really think of the roles of an elder and a deacon, technically maybe they should be leading out in it. But then at least in the deacons, sometimes it just takes that one person to start it. And then obviously other people hopefully can step up and lead it. So I just appreciated the fact that you had shared that a while back and thought maybe that's just what what we do. We just start there. Yeah, no, man. Good. I would say that, um, I think a mistake we make in churches is that we assume that because someone is qualified to be an elder and or a deacon, they automatically have understanding mm-hmm. of how to do a hospital mm-hmm. visit or how to mm-hmm. win it. Why would they? Like, mm-hmm. we're just human we're all people. Growing. Yeah, we don't we're know. All learning. We, ne- we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And so continuing to grow. And I've been so appreciative of our elders and deacons because there's such a humility there and a desire mm-hmm. to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. We, we just we don't ever arrive. That's really good. Lee, do you have any other suggestions for churches out there that might be listening of just where to start and that type of thing? Um, I mean, that's a fantastic, um, fantastic idea that that you threw out from from what you remember Beth saying at Ir- Irving Bible. And, um, and and I actually think I remember her saying that, but I, I think that's a good place to start. Like I was just talking with a, pa- a pastor out here, me and Mike were sitting down with a brother and, you know, just, you know, he's, he's the senior guy and mm-hmm. he's got this growing angst and desire to see just the body care for the body mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the pastors equip the saints to do that. And mm-hmm. obviously biblical counseling like highlights so much of that. But then how do I, the question he had was, how do I bring that into the life of the church and then not just become a snap on, you know, a snap on ministry? Yes. Um, and, but then I, I just to encourage him, I, I was just like, bro, I, if, if you're leading this charge and, and you get the other elders and you guys really dialogue about these things and wrestle with them and, and, and 
interact with them. And if you need to bring somebody in to do that, then there's tons of people in the Metroplex you could lean on, but just start having these conversations and then entrust it to the Lord. Lord, build that here. Mm. Build that here and, and, and don't underestimate what the Lord will, will, will build. And then there's so many great options for trellis, you know, for mm-hmm. structure, you know, to begin to build. And ABC, you know, you got certification, you got certification sure. in all these organizations and different resources and different biblical counseling um, options that begin to bring structure for the heart of, of God, for his people to walk in, in mutual care, mutual ministry, the one and others of scripture. Um, that's where we see, I think, biblical counseling's inception, mm-hmm. you know, like um, when, when God began to really give the church, here's what I want to see you do. And, and these aren't suggestions. <laughs> when it says bear one another's burdens, it's not if you got exactly. some time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a command. And I don't or, know why yeah. we treat those things as optional. Mm. Biblical counseling has never treated those things as optional, mm-hmm. which is why so many people are drawn to it. And more and more biblical counseling is moving into the realm where it's got a voice and it's got a it's got some weight with with more than just the quote unquote counseling people at the church. Love seeing that because it, it, it brings the church really what the scriptures already talk about into here's your job description. Here's what it looks like. And there's so many great ministries to, to build it out from there. So I think start start prayerful, start um, in those groups of, of key leaders and then and then go from there. So yeah. No, it's good. Well, we appreciate you guys taking the time. Beth, you got to get prepared. You're about yeah. to be on stage. Yay. So, uh, That's right. <laughs> but we, we really do thank you guys for just coming and taking the time. And, and I'm just thankful that we can have these conversations because the local church needs them so desperately. So thank you guys. We appreciate it. Keep speaking the truth. Keep, we'll, yep. We'll see you next time. <laughs>